What a Savior. Let's sing together today. certainly come to you with boldness and confidence because of the access that we enjoy. And Father, we know it's all because of the Lord Jesus that we are accepted before you, that you hear us as our Father. And Lord, thank you for the Lord Jesus and his advocacy on our behalf and the access we enjoy. And thank you that we can pray and call you our Father. And we give you thanks in this season of, season of thanks. We give you thanks continually. Lord, because of the gratitude we have to you for our redemption and for all the many incredible benefits that flow from the cross and flow from your graciousness to your people, we just thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you for our congregation, uh, the people that make up this church body, this local body here at First Baptist Ozark. Lord, we pray for our community. Uh, we know the Baptist home has been hit with COVID again and 
church members struggling through the holidays with sickness. And Father, we pray that you would mend us up and heal us. Uh, Lord, get us uh, back on our feet as we uh, head into the home stretch of the end of the year and the holiday seasons. We just thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy to us. Uh, Father, help us to keep uh, at the tip of our tongues the gospel. And may we readily uh, proclaim it to those we come in contact with because we know the joy that you've brought us in saving our souls and being the Lord of our lives. And may we have the desire for others to experience the same joy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to remind you that next Sunday morning starts our Advent season. And the thematic verse is going to be, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. And we're going to take that verse and bring in other verses of Scripture, but we're going to talk about his heavenly position. He was rich. We're going to talk about him becoming poor for us, incarnation. And we're going to talk about grace, and we're going to talk about Christ, and we look forward to that in the coming weeks. This morning you're going to hear from Dr. Harrison. He's no stranger to us. He is the president of the Baptist Home, and he's also had all kinds of irons in the fire all through the years. Most recently, he and Miss Julie spent nine months in the dormitories at Hannibal LaGrange School. Can y'all imagine picking up, how old are you, Dr. Harrison, 85? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you imagine taking your wife, uh, they're in their early 60s, I suppose, age-wise, whatever, and taking her, just picking up from your home and going to live on a college campus for nine months. But he did that under the hand of the Lord, and providentially God has put that school back on its feet at Hannibal LaGrange that was in peril financially, and thank the Lord, it's moving in the right direction. God is so good. So administratively, I appreciate him so much. I appreciate him uh, as a friend, but theologically as well. Uh, Dr. Harrison loves to preach, and we like to give him opportunities to do that, and also we love to hear from him. And I could take a little break, you know what I mean, uh, vocally with weddings and revivals, and it's a blessing for me to sit and listen to the word but he's going to be preaching from Matthew 11, and I believe it's the greatest call you could ever hear this morning. So I hope it will be a blessing to your heart. Amen. Well, church family, let's continue in worship together. Amen. Let me remind you to uh, fill out one of these connection cards, please. Maybe you're visiting with, uh, with us first or second time. We'd love to know who you are, how we can reach out to you, tell you a little bit more about the ministries here at the church. And uh, so please do that. Put that in the offering plate or take it to the Connection Center right out there in the, in the lobby. Uh, I couldn't help but notice, even when the pastor's not preaching, he preaches on what he's going to preach on. <laughs> Brother Harrison's going to bring a message about um, just resting in Christ. Uh, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. And so I've chosen some songs I hope will bring you comfort and bring you peace and, and bring you uh, just, just some, uh, some certainty about our, your relationship to the Lord and where you stand before God. And uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's enjoy worship today as we sing, Whom Shall I Fear?
tens of thousands of international missionaries in the, uh, uh, through Southern Baptist life that depend on the good, good Father to be with them in some very trying situations. And this time of year, we get to bless them with the international missions offering. It used to be called Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, and so let me draw your attention to that. There's probably some envelopes in the pews there. Uh, if you have uh, uh, envelopes at home that you, that you tithe and, and make offering from, there are probably some in there too. But do pray about uh, your giving to the International Mission Board this Christmas season, okay? Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you now, and uh, we just... Uh, Lord, we want to give uh, in a way that would honor you and please you, not to impress anybody. We're, we're not here to compare gifts. We're here to give according to what you blessed us with and according to uh, uh, just our, from our heart to yours. Say, Lord, this is my best gift. And, uh, Lord, we pray that each and every one of us would be able to do that and uh, with a joyful heart. You ask us to do this, uh, not begrudgingly, but with a joyful heart. And so, Lord, help us in this season of Thanksgiving to do it that way, because it is the biblical way. And we just uh, ask your blessing upon it, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How can I say thanks for the
I was so excited to see the passage he was preaching from because I wanted so badly to use this song. No other song I know of speaks to Matthew 11 like this. Uh, just written this year, by the way, uh, and we've sang it a couple of times. Sung it? Sang it? I'm from Ozark, so we, we, we sung it. Uh, come to Jesus. Rest in Him. Don't let these words pass you by. Just, just uh, let every one of them uh, come into your spirit and say, Lord, what is this saying to me? How, how, how does my relationship with you, how do I define my relationship with you based on this truth? Okay? One of the things that stick out to me about this song is we are forever saying the word to start the chorus, how sure, not how maybe, not how hope so, how sure. What a blessing.
Well, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is so good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for the very kind introduction. It is great to be here. As many of you may know, uh, Pastor Phil serves on our uh, Baptist Homes Board of Trustees. In fact, he's a member of our executive committee, and he chairs the governance committee of the Baptist Homes. So, you know, sometimes uh, it is just so appropriate to be able to say thank you to the body of Christ uh, for allowing your pastor to use and give up his tithe of his time and talents to be able to support the ministry of Baptist Homes. You know, as I think about Baptist Homes, the, the relevance of our ministry is becoming clearer every single day. Did you know, for example, that more people turn 65 every day in North America than turn 5? More people are celebrating their 65th birthday today than celebrates their 5th birthday, and as many turn 69 as turn 9. America is graying. And by the way, we, we talk about Baptist. Well, the Baptist, we're aging. The church is aging. And uh, if you look at the, the statistics, uh, it is not going to change probably for a couple of decades. So I am so privileged to be able to serve as president of Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries. Of course, we are so honored to have a campus right here in Ozark. Uh, I was so pleased when I saw a couple of our newest uh, neighbors there. So the Nelsons, good, good morning to them. Uh, they have been long a part of the Baptist Home family, and we appreciate them. And uh, I pray that you have a great season of worship here today as well. So again, I want to say thank you. Um, Pastor Phil had been mentioning, I know that there are many that support the ministry of Baptist Homes. Thank you. We are actually uh, launching something called the Welcome Home Campaign this year. And uh, this is a project that is helping to uh, expand the Baptist Homes. It used to be that if you're going to go to the Baptist Homes, you'd it was almost like going on a mission trip. You'd have to kind of pack up. And first of all, you'd have to figure out now, you know, where is that, that place called Ironton? And uh, you'd, you'd eventually find it on the map, but I can guarantee you it wasn't easy to find on a map. But you'd eventually find it. Uh, later we came to, uh, you know, Chillicothe. Well, that wasn't much better. You'd still have to look at a map with a magnifying glass. Ozark. But, you know, we've now expanded because we do believe that the need and the ministry of the Baptist Home is, uh, is going to be greater as the days go on. So thank you for your prayers, for your encouragement. And again, thank you for letting Pastor Phil be a part of our board of trustees. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 11 today, so if you have your Bible open, uh, you may want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 11. As you're turning, I'm going to just kind of share as an introduction the story of a uh, English as a second language uh, instructor. I used to actually uh, teach a little bit of ESL, and uh, that was a big thing when I lived in California. And actually today, Pastor Phil introduced me to several. Uh, so we have several uh, exiles from California to which probably we're all going, amen. Uh, it's been now 20 years that I've been in Missouri. But, uh, you know, there in California, I actually lived in a, a city uh, for most of those years, a little town of Porterville. My wife and I lived there for over seven years. And English was the second language in Porterville. 
And so uh, if you were to go to any of the stores, that was not the primary language. And so this English as a second language instructor was teaching her class something that I learned when I was learning Spanish. And that was if you use a new word 10 times, it will be yours for life. So when you learn a new word, if, you, if there's something that you will use 10 times in one day, that word will become yours for life. And from the back of the classroom, she heard a small male voice saying, Amanda, 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 Amanda. Well, you know, if you think about it, what would it be if that was true? That if you said something 10 times, it would be yours for life. Would your chant be money, money, money? Would it be strength? Would it be power? Would it be to be an influencer? What would it be that you would chant 10 times if it was true that saying something 10 times allowed it to be yours for life? Some might think that if I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it would bring them happiness Others would think money would do it, or maybe a new job, or a nicer home, or maybe a different set of siblings. <laughs> the reality is, history is filled with those who got what they wanted. Millionaires and billionaires who lived and died without hope. Names from my generation like J. Paul Getty, Howard Hughes, William Randolph Hearst of the previous generation, and more recently, people like Michael Jackson. The list could go on and on of people who achieved everything the world said was valuable, and yet they died miserable. Kings, presidents, generals, engineers, celebrities, socialites, influencers. People who believe that Somehow or another, if they just had that one more thing, they would finally have thanksgiving in their hearts. They would finally be thankful. They would finally have all that they really wanted in life. And yet they died. Despondent, hungry, searching, lonely, and with despair. D.L. Moody, the great preacher of the previous century, was preaching a message on sin. Now, you have to understand, he was preaching during a time of the temperance movement. And so it was very popular to preach against things. And on that particular night, he was preaching against the evils of overindulgence of alcohol. And he was preaching on some of the newer, uh, you might say, uh, fads that were not godly. And as he was preaching, he was getting ready to give his invitation, and he said, you know what? I'm going to change this because the problem is not the sin. The problem is that we are sinners. It is not what you do. It is who you are. And by the way of introduction, I believe that D.L. Moody understood this great truth. The Bible says we are all sinners by nature and by choice. And it is that very sin nature that often causes us to miss out on the joy and the hope and the thanksgiving that God intends for us. And so, 
as we draw close to the end of another calendar year, I'd like us today to consider how we can avoid despair and uncover God's prescription for thanksgiving and hope. Let us pray. Father, I do pray that you would help us to discover the very nature of lasting hope, lasting thankfulness, through the instructions that you have given us through your inspired word. Lord, I pray that we will have a faithful response to our challenges, to our needs, to our fears, as we read and hear your word, and by your grace, apply it to our lives and to our situation. Guide us now as we, through your spirit, interact with your living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow as I read from a very familiar passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You know, it has been my observation over the years that many church members and many who profess to be Christians basically go around life and they go around living with about the same amount of excitement and joy as one would have after hitting their thumb with a hammer. Yeah, you've seen it, you've been there, you've observed it. You have probably even observed it maybe with someone sitting here, do not look at them right now. That would be inappropriate. Or they may be looking at you. That would also be inappropriate. But the reality is, oftentimes we go through life and we don't realize or recognize how much difference Christ desires to make in our lives. One of the things that we discovered during the uh, ongoing COVID pandemic is how easy it is to stay home from church, for example. You know, you can... Uh, <clears throat> call in. It's probably not good to be in church today. I could potentially infect somebody or I could potentially be infected. I think I'm going to stay home. Brother pastor, I know you understand. You call your Sunday school teacher. I know you understand. And yet later that day, you see them at Walmart. Wow. Either they had a miraculous healing or more than likely it has to do with our understanding of of God and his word. I really don't imagine this is the kind of person that Christ had in mind when he called us to be his disciples. He didn't call us to be hypocrites. In fact, that was the one thing that he challenged more than anything were the hypocrites. And so with that in mind, I want us to consider this morning three questions as they relate to our text. The first question is whom is this passage addressed to? Whom is this passage addressed to? First of all, it is addressed to those who are weary, those who are fatigued, those who are worn out. Maybe they are overcome with grief. The word labor literally means to be exhausted, to be out of energy, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. It could actually mean all three. Usually, this weariness or this exhaustion 
is when we have faced many toils or we have been overworked. On Thanksgiving, we invited my 15-year-old grandson to join us at our house after Thanksgiving dinner. So he came over to our house. He had heard that he would be working because we have firewood to cut. You know what was interesting is last night when I brought him home, it was the first time in his life I think I'd ever seen him really happy to be home. He's got a bunch of siblings. He loves getting away. He's the oldest, but he was exhausted. He said, Grandpa, I can't move. And I'm going, yeah, and you're 15 and I'm 61. <laughs> Believe me, I could barely move. I just couldn't let him see that, okay? But uh, we had been chopping wood all day, yet he was exhausted. But, you know, sometimes our exhaustion may be physical, but it can also be emotional. It can be spiritual. So who's this passage addressed to? It is addressed to those who are weary. It is also addressed to those who are heavy laden. Heavy laden, those who are overloaded or overburdened. In fact, this word originally had reference to a cart that was stuck in the mud. It had a load that was too heavy, and it became bogged down. Now, you know what's interesting is I, I grew up in California near San Luis Obispo, and it was by the, the coast, and my dad had a Volkswagen, and we used to take that Volkswagen out on the beach. And I remember one time it got stuck in the sand. And I remember that as we gave it more throttle, we, we were not going forward, we were going down. In fact, I think every time it got the throttle, we, we, we became closer to the abyss of hell because we just kept on sinking until finally it was just up to the frame or whatever the unibody is on a Volkswagen, and we weren't going to go anywhere. And that's what it means to be heavy laden. It means that you're not making any progress. Now, you may be toiling, you may be working hard. In fact, you're probably using more energy than any other time in your life, and yet you're just feeling like, I'm going nowhere. You're stuck in the mud, literally and figuratively. Who's this passage addressed to? Those who are weary. Those who are heavy laden. In the first century... We find that this passage is sandwiched between two attitudes that caused people to be stuck in the mud. They were the conditions that were caused by doubt on one hand, because right before this, you see John the Baptist going to the disciples and said, could, could you find out something? Is Jesus really the Messiah? John the Baptist, the great man of God, towards the end of his life, had doubt. And that doubt was a burden that caused him great toil. He was heavy laden. And of course, the answer that came back to him was one that I'm sure would have thrilled his heart as they reported that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised again. Oh yeah, who can do that? No one but God. And I'm sure his heart just rejoiced as he suddenly realized he is Messiah. But you know what? Doubt is something that will weigh us down. When our faith is challenged, and it's easy to have our faith challenged in this political and social climate that we live in. All it takes is one person to twit something to us that causes us to be down, and we can find ourselves doubting. On the other side is the legalism 
The other weight that was so heavy in this period was the legalism of the Pharisees. You know, it is interesting, those that are stuck in traditions, religiosity and legalism like the Pharisees, never experience the joy of the Lord, and they're always heavy, heavily burdened. It is fair to say that this passage is addressed to those who had succumbed to the lies of the age and had become yoked to the siren's call of things like materialism. And they were heavy laden with financial bondage. And the same could be said in our day and age where there are those that are, they are entrapped with the things of this world. And it's easy to do when you get 475 Cyber Monday inboxes saying, buy me now because I'll never be cheaper until the price goes down more. And you suddenly find yourself in bondage. My friends, worry is another thing that can leave us tired and broken. And so who is this passage addressed to? Those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, I wonder if that may apply to you today. And if not today, could it apply to you tomorrow? And so we need to then ask, what does Jesus ask us to do? We've looked in, we've explored who it's addressed to. Now we need to address what is said. We've seen the problem. The problem was that people, the people that Jesus was speaking to were weary. They were, they were heavy laden. Now let's look at the prescription. In verse 28, Jesus tells his listeners, come to me. Come to me. If we will come to him, that is the best and yet sometimes the hardest response. Because it, it's acknowledging we can't fix the problem ourselves. And you know, we kind of live in a generation, we're the show me state. I mean, we're kind of proud about that. We're Americans. I mean, we can't beat anybody in World Cup, but you know, we're not losing either. So, okay, the point being is we, we are very self-sufficient and it's hard for us to do that. And I cannot envision that those in the first century were all that much different. Because when they had problems, it says that they turned to those who appeared to be the wise and the learned. In fact, if you were to look at verse 25, you'd kind of start capturing the fact that, yeah, you know, thank you, Lord, the Lord of heaven, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the, the learned or the understood, and those that have understanding. That's, that, those are the people that were being sought out. The people that were listening to Jesus kind of had a backup plan. Well, if we don't like what Jesus says, you know what? There's somebody that's got a podcast that's going to be a killer. There's somebody that's got a book out there that I'm going to read and listen to. Everybody had a backup plan. You see, those first century folks weren't a whole lot different than us, were they? Too many Christians go every place but to Jesus. It could be said of many, you have, have not because you ask not. A warning that is found later on in the Bible in James chapter 4. Come to me. So simple, but so hard. A few years ago, I had the privilege of being the transitional pastor at a church in the Kansas City area. And uh, it was on my very first Sunday as interim pastor that we had a lightning storm. And 
in that storm, uh, apparently something got hit in our electrical system, and it took out one thing, and one thing only, and that was our new PowerPoint projector. Now, you have to go back a few years. This was not a small purchase. This was, for that small church, probably a purchase that uh, was equivalent to about 2 or 3% of its total budget. It, it, they had not gotten just a projector, but you have to get the screens and everything to make it really work well. And they were so proud of this PowerPoint projector and how it just worked so seamlessly. And you, you turn it on and the screen would go down. And they were so proud of it. And now it doesn't work. And so uh, when they called in the repairman to look at it, uh, he said, no, this is not covered under the warranty because this is an act of God. Okay, an electrical storm is an act of God. And our worship leader was so distraught, money had been donated for it, we had no more money to replace it, and now we had a hideous-looking screen behind us, and we had this thing hanging from the ceiling. People kind of expect that you're going to have the words up on a screen, and no, we don't. We're using an overhead projector. And so he's very distraught, he's trying to get it fixed. Over a period of several weeks, nothing's happening. About six weeks into this, he came in and he goes, Pastor, this is just, I don't know what to do. We have no money. The people that give us money don't want to give any more money. And I looked at him and I said, have you asked Jesus about this? And he goes, what? I said, have you come to Jesus with this problem? Well, what good's that going to do? I said, well, it's obedient. That's what good, it's, it's going to be good because it's what God's word says to do. And so right there, before the start of the service, he and I prayed. And I remember as he started praying, he said, Lord, I don't know what coming to you is going to do, but, but I believe it is the right thing to do. I apologize. I, I repent from not coming to you. I've had six weeks of frustration. And Lord, it just, it's not going anywhere. I turn this over to you. And we have the service. And come Wednesday night, when I came for the midweek Bible study, he was at the door. He couldn't wait to see me. And he said, Pastor Rod, you're not going to believe this. But when we put in this warranty repair that was declined, apparently some bigwig at the company saw the invoice thing, and they called me up, and they said, what happened? And I explained to them. They said, you know what? We would love for you to try out one of our new PowerPoint projectors. We've got a new one out that's bigger and brighter and better than that old one. We're going to send one to you just so you can try it out, and it's yours to keep, but I pray that it will be a blessing to you and your church. And we ended up with an even better PowerPoint projector. Isn't it amazing what happens when we do things God's way? You know, we learn that lesson because here's the thing. Sometimes we don't come to Jesus and we, we weigh ourselves down with all of these problems because we're simply being disobedient. So Jesus says, first and foremost, come to me. Then he says, take up my yoke. Now, a yoke was an implement that every first century reader would have understood with great familiarity. It would have been custom made. Yokes aren't something that you would just go down to Walmart or the Family Center Farm and uh, Home or Orsland's. You, you didn't find the yoke there. A yoke would be custom built by, <laughs> do I dare say it? A carpenter. Anybody know a carpenter in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, see, this yoke would have been custom built. But here's the thing about a yoke. Yokes 
allow us to become very, very productive. I remember growing up, uh, I was actually in uh, a diesel technology program, and we used to uh, do things like tractor pulls, and we talked about the weight distribution hitches and things like that, and the principles that they taught us in this field of study came from oxen. In fact, California was, was famous for the, the 28-team oxen that would pull the borax out of the mines. And what they would do is they, they figured out that a yoke would allow animals' strength to be multiplied. So if you had, let's say, uh, a mule that could pull 1,000 pounds, I'm just throwing out a figure. If you had two mules, it didn't mean that they could pull 2,000 pounds. It means that they could pull maybe 3,500 pounds. And if you had them properly yoked together, four of them could do a whole lot more. And so a yoke allows us to be so much more effective. And notice what Jesus says, take up his yoke. Take my yoke upon you. And this is a command. We are invited here to join Jesus in his work. It's his yoke, not our yoke. It's his yoke that has been custom made for our walk in relationship with him. It's not us saying, Jesus, come here and do what I want you to do. It's us joining Jesus. And that's an important distinction here. And so Jesus says, come, take up my yoke. What's amazing about this, it will be just right. You're saying, yeah, but the yoke that Jesus wants me to wear is going to have me go as one of those international mission board missionaries in some weird country. I can assure you, you will have more joy and thanksgiving in your life in obedience in that country than you would here with the best income possible. It may be that that yoke calls you to stay here, even though you've always wanted to go see the lights of Houston. It means you are where God wants you to be. Take up his yoke. And then it says we are to learn from him. Well, the best way I can uh, describe what this means is using an ancient way of breaking a young colt. And that was called learning a colt. And so if you are into word studies, this, this is kind of where this word comes in. But, you know, back in the old days, uh, if you had a, let's say, a colt that you needed to break in, they would call that learning the colt. And what you'd do is pretty simple. You would lasso the colt. You'd put a rope around its neck, and then you'd tie the end of the, end of the rope to an old mule. Now that colt, when it was hot, it would go towards the shade, and it would go until it got to the end of its rope. And then it couldn't go any further. That old mule, if it didn't want to move, it wasn't going to move. When that colt decided it was time for a drink, it would run towards the water until it got to the what? End of its rope. And uh, then it wouldn't go any further if that old mule didn't want to do anything. But you know what? When that old mule decided, you know, it's time to go get some hay, <clears throat> that old mule would just start dragging that colt. And pretty soon, that colt would start feeling the tug on the, the rope and say, you know what? It's time for a new assignment. I'm going to go from nap time to feeding time. And I'm going to go from feeding to getting a drink. And pretty soon, every time that colt would feel that tug on the, the neck, it would know that it's time to move. Well, you know, I think about that because... It is such a beautiful illustration of what happens when the Holy Spirit has a hold of us. We start to feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit, and we immediately respond to him. That is what it means to learn from me. So just as that old method of learning a cult and breaking it in, 
applied to that cult. I believe learn from me applies to us as we learn God's word and we apply God's word. The Holy Spirit, we have that sensitivity in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. We have that sensitivity that allows us to immediately respond to what God is calling us to do. Isn't that wonderful when we get to that point? You know, I'll illustrate it with another way of, of, of saying this. When I was in college, I had a best friend. His name was Tim. Tim was my roommate. Now, back in those days, there was no cell phones or anything, but there, there was these crazy devices. They had them on walls, and if you'd put a dime in them, you had this rotary thing, and you'd turn it, and pretty soon you could talk to someone. And uh, so they had these pay phones out there, and occasionally Tim would call me, and, and Tim would say something like, hey, I'm going to study late, so uh, you know, don't worry about uh, if I get home late. Or I would call Tim, and uh, you know, if he's at the apartment, and I might say, hey, I got an opportunity to work a second shift, I'm, you know, so don't worry if I'm not in tonight, whatever. So what was interesting is Tim and I knew each other's voice. I didn't have to say, Hi there, this is Rod. Tim, is this you? No, why? Because we immediately recognized each other's voice. We knew each other that well. And then there came a time that I met my wife, Julie. I started spending a lot more time with Julie than Tim because, well, she was cute, he was not, and I married Julie. Well, for a while, you know, we kept in touch like you do with your old friends. But pretty soon, uh, you know, we kind of went separate directions. I ended up in Fort Worth, Texas at Southwestern Seminary. And it was near Christmas, and one day, Tim called. And this time, it was, hello. Hello. Merry Christmas. This is Tim. Hey, Tim. And we had a delightful time of catching up and talking about our families. Both of us were married at that point. And it was a great time. But you know what was interesting is I needed that little reminder of who it was. Now let's fast forward a little bit more. I am a church planter in northern Minnesota, and the phone rings, and again, it's at Christmas time. Merry Christmas, Halleck Baptist Church. How may I help you? Hi, Rod. Is this you? Yes, this is Pastor Rodney Harrison. How can I help you? Hey, this is Tim. Well, Merry Christmas, Tim. Tim who? <laughs> and of course, when he mentioned his name, I suddenly remembered. Now, let me ask you this. What about your relationship with God? Has it gotten to the point where you immediately have learned from him and you know him and when you feel the spirit prompting you, you, you immediately can respond? Or is your current relationship with God maybe a little bit more like my relationship with Tim after 10 years where you need a whole lot of reminders that it is God? And those reminders could come in the form of things like really bad things happening as God's trying to get your attention. So just be aware of that. And it may be even as we get ready to close the service today, you might be able to just say, you know what, God, you're really speaking to my heart here because I don't have that intimacy anymore. I, 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 yeah, it's kind of been a while since I've really sensed you speaking to my heart and my heart. And my, my, I've not responded because, well, frankly, I, I'm not recognizing your voice all that good today. So it may be that that would be a response that you need to make today. Because he says, come to me, take up my yoke, that means his plan for you, and learn from him. And what are the results? What are the results? You see, if we'll do what God says here in his word, the first thing that will happen is that we find rest and release. Now let me tell you right now, when we come to Jesus and we connect ourselves to him and we are yoked to him, 
we will find rest and release, but rest is not the cessation of activity. So if you were to think that entering into God's rest is like taking a nap, you are so mistaken. Rest is actually doing what God created us to do. When you think about it, what do we do on the seventh day? Isn't that the Sabbath rest? We worship. That's what God created us to do. In fact, when we do what God created us to do, it's when we find the greatest joy, the greatest thanksgiving, the greatest fulfillment in our lives because we are doing what God has planned for us. So rest is not the cessation of activity. Rather, it's that doing what we were created to do. And I can assure you, you will never have more joy and more fulfillment or more peace in your life than when you're in the center of God's will and you're in his rest. We get rid of all that stuff that weighs us down. We get rid of all that stuff that causes us burdens and causes us to be heavy laden because we are in his will. And so we find release from those things that weigh us down. But not only do we find rest, we find effectiveness. That word, my yoke, is easy. That word easy translates into serviceable. It's a really kind of challenging word to translate. But it means we find a restoration of the proper attitude, which should be hope, of service, which is our ministry, and our perspective, which is our faith that God has designed us to enjoy. You know, as I think about this passage and I think about how we restore the joy, how we restore that spirit of thanksgiving, I'm reminded of a reflection I've been making for the last 40 years of ministry. I have never met a joyful thankful, lazy Christian. Ever. Oh, I've met lazy Christians. And they let you know all the problems of the world. They let you know what people in the church should be doing but aren't doing. They let you know, you know, the pastor, or <laughs> that uh, worship director used the wrong word. He sounded like an Ozarkian today. Yeah, they're lazy. And what they're doing is they're, they're, they're drawing the whole church down. I've never met a joyful, lazy Christian. But you know what? When I'm around people who are serving, people who have joy, people who have come to Jesus, people who have taken his yoke upon them, people who are learning from him or in that process of growing, there is an excitement. There is almost an effervescent joy that is contagious being around those brothers and sisters in Christ. And I can assure you, it is when we are yoked with Jesus that we start having joy. And that is the Christianity that God has designed us to live out in our assignments here. And so, you can't be effective if you're weighed down. If you are weary today, if you are heavy laden, would you come to Jesus? Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the invitation that you have given us to renew our commitment to you by coming to you, from learning from you, being yoked to you. Lord, I am so thankful today that your word gives us such a simple, simple process, Lord, as we unpack the legalism of the Pharisees and of religion that says, do this, don't do that. And we then look at the, the doubt 
and the questions that John had, Lord, until his faith was able to be reassured that you are Messiah. Lord, we can see how easy it is to get weighted down in our culture today. Lord, it's easy to be burdened by things like finances. It's easy to be burdened by our political situation. Lord, you though, you can transcend all of that. But it starts when we come to you. And so Lord, as we now move into our time of response, may we not hesitate to come to you in obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together and sing, come just as you are. Come just as you are, hear the Spirit call, come just as you are, come and see, come receive, come and live forever. you don't know the Lord don't forget who's calling he's the Lord Jesus he's the king he's the only one that can change your heart he's the only one that can lift the burden and perhaps you kind of feel like the hamster that's inside of the wheel and you're running and you're running and you're running and you're never getting anywhere perhaps you're seeking uh, the Lord through your own righteousness which if you're going to stand before a holy God, you've got to have a whole lot better righteousness than you have or that I have because you can't, right? So you come to Jesus, the only one that can save. And if you're a believer, maybe there's been a long, it's been a long time since you've actually had rest, rest in Christ. Let's sing one more verse, Brother David. Come just as you are, hear the Spirit call, come just as you are, come receive Christ the King, come and Spirit call. 
members of our church 20 years ago and they're back all right and uh, they know they know many of you and I'm sure the landscape's a whole lot different as well uh, here at the church but I hope you'll get to know them and love them they're coming to us by transfer of letter from a sister Southern Baptist Church they both know Jesus they both follow in believers baptism and their goal is to serve here at FBCO so we're honored and glad to have them with us amen David and Jan Rao, get to know them, all right? There's their names on the board, all right? Spelled for you, all right? Uh, I have you go back there with Don. Y'all know Don? He's been here since you, yeah, 30 years, what, right? We all know Don's been here for 30 years. Yeah, he said at least, all right? Dr. Harrison, thank you for sticking to the text. Aren't you thankful for just letting the Bible speak? Not forcing what we want it to say, we are called by God to preach, believe, and teach what the Bible says, not what we want it to say. Praise the Lord for a firm, wedded to the text, preaching. We praise God for it. And you know what? The invitation's not over because the hound of the Holy Spirit of God never stops hounding you and pursuing you, and we thank the Lord for that. Um, if you would like to at any time to give to the Baptist home and to help that entity, uh, I think it's money well spent. Uh, we believe that the Baptist home is not the end. It's still discipleship, right? Our seniors are still growing in their faith. And people come to know Christ at the Baptist home all the time. Trust Jesus. So what a blessing. Just take one of those yellow envelopes uh, if you would like to. Uh, there are Baptist home envelopes we can get. But you can take one of those, circle other, and make a donation anytime you would like to do that. Uh, so... Praise the Lord. Again, Dr. Harrison will have you go on to the back so you can greet people. Uh, hope you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Uh, Wednesday night is back on, regular activities, and look forward to the Advent, okay? We look forward to preaching the Word, uh, centering on uh, that great enfleshment of the Lord Jesus and uh, coming to this earth to redeem us. We're, we're excited about that. God bless you. All right, Brother David. One more cry of hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's sing it together. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. 